I'm Richard Battle, author and speaker and media commentator, and you're listening to Tim Tap on Tapping the Truth. Broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, committee alive from historic Rome County, Tennessee, rerouted through Louisiana and coming back across live on the airwaves in South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina, over. WCETFM, and of course, also live on the digital platform, thelastfrequency.com, and over at tunein.com if you want to listen to the Vera Network. Uh, plus, despite the fact that we're political and not actually paranormal, you can also find the Vera Network on the Paranormal app. Uh, so, for at least two hours, you get to hear something that, well, is probably scarier than anything you're going to hear. <laughs> on the paranormal app, uh, American 
politics. <laughs> yeah. All right. So if you're a regular listener to the show, especially if you listen to the podcast in particular, you are probably saying, uh, yo, Tim, what's going on, dude? You, you seriously have not been uh, doing the usual schedule. Uh, in fact, I've pretty much uh, so far in the uh, month of January, at least, We've only been doing the live shows on Fridays, and, you know, there's there's a reason for that. I've got a lot of stuff going on, and it's not fair to you guys, but starting this week, we will get back on track. We will get all three shows a week, and, uh, you know, I, I, we're going to do better, even if I have to stay up to the wee hours in the morning to record shows for the purposes of rebroadcast and all that good stuff. We'll definitely get there. And I realized I got no choice but to do it because otherwise I'm just missing too many stories. There's too many things that's happened the past two weeks that I have not got to discuss. And I don't have time to get caught up on any of them, and I'm not going to let that happen anymore, period. I'm back, baby. It's just that simple. Uh, with all that being said, you know, we've got crazy things going on at Davos. Hope you've been following me on social media because I've been sharing a lot of thoughts about statements made from Man Bear Pig. I'm sorry, I mean Al Gore. And, uh, of course, stuff from John Curry. And uh, just a simple thought, though. The one thing I really want you to understand more than uh, the Greta Thunberg photo op and the face-off between Greta and the folks at the World Economic Forum, uh, you really need to know one simple basic rule. When somebody like John Kerry, or any of the Davos crowd for that matter, says that they don't have time for business as usual, what they actually mean is they don't have time to even consider your freedom. That's it. That's all that means. Don't get it twisted. Don't get confused. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about Joe Biden and the ongoing issue with the documents and the fact that Joe Biden has no regrets. No, he needs to get him a, a, a neck tattoo. Uh, no regrets. Uh, of course he has no regrets. The man's not going to face any consequences. Why would you regret something when you're not going to face any consequences. Uh, we're also scheduled to be joined at the uh, top of the second hour by the founder and CEO of Tusk, the first and so far still only uh, web browser that's designed for yeah, free speech. Imagine that. That, of course, uh, Jeff uh, Berment, uh, he will be joining us for just the second time, but he will be with us tonight. Or we'll have a conversation later if he doesn't join us. Uh, I always get a little nervous uh, committing to visitors. I, I have confirmation, but I've had confirmation before. In the live stuff, it's so much harder to be 100% because, you know, stuff happens. We've, of course, got all kinds of others. we got a hockey player who said no to the rainbow colors. And, of course, that meant that the LGBTQ mafia went ballistic. They lost their minds. They're going after him as hard as they can. And guess what happened as a result? This hockey player's jersey became the number one jersey sold for the entire NHL. They literally sold out of this guy's jersey. Why? Because he had the gumption to stand up and very politely, very professionally say, uh, these people can do what they like. They can 
support whoever and whatever they want. But I'm going to be true to myself, and I'm going to be true to my faith, and I'm not going to participate. That's all he said. A reasonable thing that in a more reasonable time would have been considered a reasonable reaction. My love of the fact that the general population has been so supportive, they want to send a message. Ignore what the commentators in Canada have to say. Forget about... (coughs) Excuse me. Excuse me just a second. Forget about any of the insanity. We're going to support this guy. We're going to buy his jersey. We're going to send that message. So kudos. And uh, that's just some of the stuff that I wish we had been talking about more and would have been had I been doing the usual show rotation. So i got to get back to it. But we got to start off the show with another big story, and it's a very important story. Um There's a Virginia lawmaker who right now wants to make sure that there is absolutely no parent that will ever be accused of child abuse for using their own offspring's natural pronouns. In other words, let me make it simple in case you're not up on your woke doublespeak, if you have a child, and that child happens to be a biological female, just just as an example. They want to pass a law that nobody in the judicial system will be able to accuse you of child abuse if you refer to your biological female as she, her. Even if she, her decides they want to be a he, him. A parent should have that right. So we're talking about state delegate Dave LaRock. He introduced a bill called uh, Sage's Law. This was, of course, in response to the absolutely horrific story of a rural Virginia girl who was held in a youth center for boys from Baltimore for months because Maryland officials argued that her family home was unsafe after her 72-year-old grandmother accidentally called the trans-identifying youth she. That's what happened. Oh, you hadn't heard that story? Well, that's actually the story that's really important. It's not as important that a lawmaker is actually trying to stand up and do the right thing. It's not that surprising that in Virginia right now, after the big push that we have seen over the course of the last year and a half that was really ignited uh, under parental rights due to the fact that some investigating reporting from the Daily Wire exposed the trans agenda in the Loudoun County school system was actually leading to covering up of rapes happening in the bathrooms. All this, it's a good thing, and it's good that Virginia happened, but I've told you before, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person that's been giving you this warning. We hear these stories, and they're made out to be falsehoods, conspiracy theories. And then once they're undeniable anymore, well, uh, they're just rare events. They're not happening a whole lot. It's a very uh, – it's an off-the-beat-occurrence. Stop using these one-off instances as your defense. I warned you then, it's happening way more frequently than you could imagine. 
this is another story again broke by the Daily Wire. Uh, if if you have the ability to sign up for a membership for any of these uh, media companies, the Daily Wire is a fantastic place to become a member because they are using that to fund their media, uh, to make their movies, uh, and to do the investigative reporting that you're just not seeing anywhere else. Uh, this story was broke over there, and thankfully they did. It's a story of a 14-year-old girl who identifies as transgender. This 14-year-old transgender runaway who left. She ran away from Virginia. And she endured six months. Six months of a nightmare that she saw her twice fall into the hands of sex traffickers. Twice. The second time was after Baltimore bureaucrats refused to return her home. Because they accused her adoptive parents, very close family members, actually parents not in the picture anymore, so was adopted. They accused the adoptive parents of misgendering this 14-year-old girl. That was it. We can't let you have this child back. We can't let you have this 14-year-old child who has run away back because you still call her her. If you are currently living in a state, I don't care what state it is, where they are trying to even just suggest that this is the appropriate thing to do. If you're living in a state where you have school boards that are creating policies that allow for this kind of crap, if you are having judges that are standing up and saying, well, we must protect the trans rights of these children ahead of the parental rights of the legal guardians, stop it now. Do whatever you have to do, but stop it now. It's going to lead to more stories like this one. This is a story where this 14-year-old girl, identified in legal documents as Sage, was adopted by her biological grandmother, Michelle Blair, after the death of her father. Now, long troubled, Sage began identifying as a male named Draco and ran away from the rural home back in late August of 2021, only to end up on the mean streets of Baltimore, where authorities rescued her from the clutches of a convicted sex offender. But instead of returning her home, instead of returning this child to her grandmother, who had adopted her, was her legal guardian, Maryland officials put her in an inner-city group home for boys because she identified as a boy. And the reason, the rationale, the legitimate offered reason they did it, they thought her adoptive, blood-relative parents didn't seem to significantly recognize her transgender identity. Judge Robert B. Kershaw. Know that name. This is a judge who needs to be recalled, impeached, whatever it is that can be done, needs to be removed from the bench, period. Judge Robert B. Crenshaw wrote on September 3rd of 2021, after an impassioned plea from Baltimore Assistant Public Defender, Miss Anisha Khan, wrote that it is not possible to return the child to that home. 
I, I want you to, to understand, a judge said this. A judge wrote this in a determination, in a court order. It is not possible to return the child to that home. Why? Because the grandmother called her she. Does this make sense to you? This is what passes for family court law now. Instead, the judge turned Sage over to the Baltimore City Department of Juvenile Services for placement in a hardware secure therapeutic facility, quoting the specifics here, which makes reasonable accommodations for respondents expressed male gender and desire to live as a trans male. That meant housing the girl just rescued from a sex offender, a registered sex offender, who had groomed this girl for months, who pretended to be a 16-year-old boy until he met her when she ran away from home. This sex offender housed this girl after she was rescued from that guy with some of Baltimore's most troubled biological males, meaning that she got placed in a home with other troubled youth. Now, after months in Maryland's institutions, once again, Sage decides she's going to bolt. She doesn't like it there. It's not safe for her there. Who knows how much she was being abused there? We don't have details on that, but I can guarantee you it's a thing that happened. And that's all on this judge and the judicial system that currently exists in the state of Maryland. The woke agenda put ahead of, in front of, the safety of this child. Now Sage took off, ran, got away, and then resurfaces in the great state of Texas, where she once again had been allegedly, we'll do the journalistic integrity thing for a moment, air quotes up, was allegedly trafficked to pedophiles again. And this is all recorded in court documents. Now, unlike their counterparts in Maryland, the Lone Star State officials actually returned her to her adoptive parents. And according to an ethics complaint that Blair filed against Khan back in uh, Maryland, uh, Khan allegedly told the girl to lie about being abused by her parents, seemingly in order to create a legal precedent allowing states, you know, other than the state where the teen actually lived, like if you happen to run away and end up somewhere else, to allow these states, to allow these teens to get to stay, allow the states a legal precedent to refuse to return the runaway teen if the transgender issues are in play. Now, this is what's aggravating. We've talked about this case of the, uh, the man in Texas who's been trying to protect his little boy from his ex-wife who now have moved to California and how California has this law that says that they don't have to acknowledge uh, court orders from other states if transgender issues are at play. And we've heard from the state of California, we've heard from the judicial people there, well, well, that's, you're mistaken. That's not how this 
oh, law will work. We keep hearing these same people tell us this stuff, and then we keep seeing these people pull this kind of activity. Now, is this California? Tim, this isn't California. Clearly not. But do you think for a second this isn't going to happen somewhere else if we don't stop it? If a public defender acting on behalf of the child who was initially kept there because they charged this girl as a defendant because being a runaway is a crime in the state of Maryland, they wouldn't let her come back to Virginia. They wouldn't return her to Virginia. wouldn't return her to her family. Blood kin, close blood kin, who happened to have adopted and assumed full parental rights, wouldn't give her back. was assigned a public defender uh, to protect herself supposedly from the crime, the criminal uh, repercussions of having been a runaway. And then this friend of the court commits what is, in fact, a violation of the law in every state and territory of this nation, encouraged their client to lie to the court. Now, of course, this is an accusation, but it's documented in the uh, complaint. It would not be that surprising if some leftist says, oh, yeah, by the way, this is what we want to do. Now, being the subject of an interstate tug of war driven by an ideological leftist bureaucracy was a whole new kind of exploitation for this girl who had become accustomed to evil men seeking to use her for profit or gratification. Her grandmother, in the, poor, in the uh, effort to explain this to whoever would listen, recounted for the police how the cruel spiral began for the child that she still hopes to raise, that she still wants returned to her to be brought back home. Blair said, quote, I went to wake up my daughter, describing the morning of August 25th, back in 2021, when this young girl disappeared. Describing the morning that she went to the Appomattox County Sheriff's Office report, said that she was gone and the window screen had been cut open said that she immediately looked everywhere, then drove to the sheriff's department to report this girl as missing. Sage would later reveal that she had snuck out to meet someone she thought was a 16-year-old boy who liked skateboarding. But that person just so happened to be a registered sex offender from Maryland who had been grooming her online and took her to Washington and then to Baltimore. A frantic search that included the sheriff's office, the FBI, the Virginia State Police, and the U.S. Marshals ended a week later when Sage was found in Baltimore with Kenneth Fisher. Kenneth Fisher. That's the 36-year-old convicted sex offender that I have mentioned several times at this point. In the week she had been missing, Sage experienced, well... What I think most people can't even wrap their mind around. 
we'll just I'll very euphemistically refer to it as untold horror at this sex offender's hands. When Sage was delivered to this man, he told this girl that she was part of his family now. In a victim's impact statement in the Fisher case, Blair, the grandmother, who is the legal guardian now, Sage replied that she was only 14 years old and to please don't rape me. To which Kenneth Fisher immediately took her into his bedroom and violently raped her. Evidently, he enjoyed strangling this girl, not quite to death. This sick man then trafficked her to so many different men that Sage lost count. Now, Fisher had multiple prior arrests for sex offenses, including rape currently held at the Eastern Correctional Institution in the East. But he wouldn't be the last adult to exploit Sage. After Sage was found, Blair drove all night to pick her up. But once she got to the city of Baltimore, she was told that, uh, no, you cannot take her. She's being kept in jail as a defendant for running away. Her court-appointed lawyer, again, Miss Kahn, whose LinkedIn page states that uh, she's a, a defense attorney and become the heroes of justice. That's what Miss Kahn thinks of herself. She thinks she's a hero of justice. As they stand, stand in the gap between the coercive power of the state and the relatively limited power of the indigent accused. Who, of course, are still disproportionately black and Latinx. <laughs> and I'm sorry, if you're still using the term Latinx or Latinx, you are not an ally. Most uh, Latinos don't like that term. It was Khan who persuaded Judge Kersaw not to return Sage to her home in Virginia. Why? Because after the 72-year-old grandfather in the house, overcome by emotion, accidentally called this girl she. Ironically, Blair is a longtime court-appointed child advocate ordinarily making her the ideal trusted parent. Yet the Maryland Juvenile Court uh, maintained that uh, her home was abusive, even after a local Virginia agency's investigation found no mistreatment. None, no, nada. Well, you know, clearly we don't believe you because, uh, you know, we're, we're Maryland and we believe in transgender rights ahead of everything else. We have an agenda. We have a narrative. It doesn't matter if this young girl's safe. We have to get this young girl back in a, a home for boys. Now, Blair believes that Khan was intent on making 
her adopted daughter a poster child in the fight for transgender rights above parental rights, no matter the cost. And you know, that's the funny thing. These activists are so short-sighted. They don't pay close enough attention. They don't really care if it makes sense. They're not about fighting for anybody's rights. They're actually fighting for their own individual recognition. I will remind you once again that if you have to signal your virtue, then you are not actually living a virtue. And if you have to virtue signal this much, then you have no virtue at all. A week after ruling that Sage could not be sent back to Virginia, the judge then received a form asserting that Blair's right to custody of her child and of Maryland's obligation to turn her over under the Interstate Commerce Pact on uh, the Interstate Compact on Juveniles, an agreement, of course, that deals with runaway minors, that was signed by all 50 states some time ago, legally binding. <coughs> Kershaw, again, the judge here, rejected it on a technicality related to a small-town Virginia agency's effort to understand the rules. The form was signed by an diplomatic sheriff's officer, uh, sheriff's office deputy, and sent it by Blair. Now, the judge knew that this is a technicality. The judge knew that this was not a major issue. Now, for most people, you would tend to think that a deputy's signature uh, would be even more official. Kershaw, again, the judge, carefully, very careful to use Sage's preferred masculine pronoun and new name, also faulted the petition for failing, quote, to state the circumstances of Draco's running away or his location at the time the application was made. <sighs> That's not all the story. I don't have time to give you all the story because we're coming up on the mid-hour break, which I have to take, and then we have other stuff. But if you have missed this story, please, again, take the time to look it up. Kudos to uh, lawmakers in Virginia for trying to pass a law to make sure that this changes, but it's not the people in Virginia that need to pass a law. It's the people in Maryland, the people in Illinois, the people in California, the people in New York who need to stand up and tell their lawmakers to pass a law so that parents are not treated as abusers if they use the wrong pronouns for their children. And to make sure that parental rights are not stripped away in an effort by the state that actually puts these children at greater physical risk. Absolutely insane. Feel free, Google Michelle Blair, uh, Google the judge here, Google all of these players. Follow this story. Anissa Khan, follow this story. Robert B. Kershaw. Remember those names. Google the story. Doug, get me to the break, because if I stay on the story any longer, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> we'll be right back. You're listening to Tap into the Truth. 
Hey, Joe. They say building back better make America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just Recently, my astute attention was drawn to a YouTube broadcast called The Crimson Cure, hosted by Kendra Davis. An episode particularly jarring was about how black females hate it when black men and boys are loved. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Crimson Cure host Kendra Davis revealed a sad story of ultimate hatred, abuse, and murder. Amira Osby, an eight-year-old Chicago girl, was recently murdered by her mother simply because she adored her dad. Little Amira was ordered by the court to endure joint custody arrangements between her father, who she loved, and her abusive mother. Amira had been on the radar of the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services since the age of three. Because of the bigoted nature of the courts, Amira's dad was not granted full custody because they would rather stick it to a good father than protect an innocent child from an abusive mother, who finally deleted Amira because she loved her dad and wanted to stay with him. In May of 2022, Amira's mother tried to get her to drink bleach. Now a young girl is deleted and a father devastated, a situation that could have been easily avoided. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific to find out where. Go to theronedwards.com. Second Skull is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. These products are patented and proven. Second Skull is a protective headgear company. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about because you want the best. Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Beanstalks is designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key, the idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly. But the most important thing is to start now and make it 
so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. Ours is the first revolution in the history of mankind that truly reversed the course of government and with three little words, we the people. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go and by what route and how fast. Almost all the world's constitutions are documents in which governments tell the people what their privileges are. Our Constitution is a document in which we, the people, tell the government what it is allowed to do. We, the people, are free. There's a clear cause and effect here that is as neat and predictable as a law of physics. As government expands, liberty contracts. This is Ken Crow with Conservative Daily Briefing, and you are listening to Tim Tap, Tap Into the Truth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. Gotta say, love hearing the ACDC combined with Ken Crow. Great stuff. Also, while I'm on the matter of great stuff, uh, let me give a shout out to Arizona Antihero, who's hanging out with us over at the MeWe chat room for the last frequency. Uh, glad to have uh, AZ with us as usual. And uh, quick reminder, you guys can join us too. Uh, even if you're somebody that normally just listens to the podcast after the fact, if you have a Friday night open, you can come listen to us live on Friday nights. It's the only show we're doing live right now. At some point, it would not surprise me if Doug didn't start trying to say, hey, we should do all the shows live. Uh, but I don't know if that's actually ever going to happen because uh, Doug's a busy guy, too. <laughs> Friday night's good enough for me, babe. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Friday night's a great night to be alive anyway. Wife's uh, not home then. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, uh, let's get back to it. Uh, at some point, uh, you, of course, will be doing the Sunday shows and the Tuesday shows again, and you'll get to hear the rebroadcast. Uh, the same places you can hear the live show. Uh, you'll get to hear those next day. Uh, that, of course, includes uh, the WCETFM station. It includes the lastfrequency.com. It includes the Vera Network over at tunein.com and at Paranormal Network. Doug looks like he has something else he wants to add. You will play. If you send me a Tuesday show, you will play at 7 p.m. Wednesday on Last Frequency. There you go. And the same thing will happen uh, on the Sunday show. You'll get uh, the Monday, the same time slot. So there you go. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't cleared that with uh, Michael Berry yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, we had been doing that, and we might do it again. We'll see what happens. But at the very least, you'll get to hear it there. But you can always find the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts to. So if you listen over, but you can always join us live on Friday nights. We're here 7 uh, p.m. Eastern to 9 p.m. Eastern. 
And uh, you can come hang out with us in the chat room over at MeWe.com. MeWe, of course, one of the great social media platforms that doesn't discriminate against conservatives. So you got to love those guys. And uh, just look for the Last Frequency group and uh, come hang out with us. You can talk to AZ and you can, of course, uh, talk to Doug, who's always hanging out. And uh, I try to keep one eye on the chat room while we're at it. But... Uh, you know, I get into these stories. Sometimes I get hot. This is like I uh, uh, get, uh, you know, uh, focused on what I'm doing. Imagine that. All right. So all that being said, I'm still kind of hot over that last story. It is a big freaking deal, and we really do need to keep uh, keep an eye on it. But uh, there are other things going on, and I can't let this one go without talking about it. Uh it seems that barely there, Beijing Biden finally came out and had an official response. Uh, this came out, of course, on Thursday over his handling, uh, some would insinuate mishandling, of classified material by saying that he has no regrets over his actions. Well, I mentioned at the top of the show, of course he has no regrets. Why would he have regrets? He's not going to face any consequences. Not any real consequences. Anyway, worst case scenario, he's going to lose the support of the Democratic Party when they find out exactly how much shenanigans were involved with uh, the Biden crime family cashing in on, you know, little things like documents regarding uh, Ukraine, uh, documents regarding mm, other Places where Hunter Biden happened to be going and picking up bags of cash. Yeah, just just throwing that out there. Anyway, the quote from barely there, Beijing Biden, is, quote, we're fully cooperating, looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. Which also seems kind of funny considering we seem to be finding more caches of classified documents uh, every time we turn around. Uh, we found, what, three different ones at this point? We knew about two of them last time, last Friday when we got together. They found another one since then. And rumor has it that there may yet be more that simply have not been publicly acknowledged yet. Biden, of course, was making these comments uh, while he was visiting the uh, fine folks out in the state of California while they're still trying to recover from these recent storms. Uh, he said, quote, <clears throat> I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me that they want me to do. That's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. Really? No, there, there. See, here's where I have problems with the no there. You were storing classified documents in a locked garage with your Corvette. In a house where multiple people had access. A house that your son Hunter claimed to have owned for a while. A house that Later on, we discovered your son, Hunter, claimed to have been paying you a ridiculously large monthly amount for rent of that house. A level of rent that is not commensurate with 
even slightly above average expected rates for that area, especially a house of that size. So we know at the very least that Hunter Biden had access to that garage. We know that whoever came by and visited that house had access to that garage. We know that uh, Hunter Biden has questionable affiliations. What we don't know is who exactly stopped in, who visited, who else had access, because there are no records. Now, again, we've gotten caught up on the visitor logs, and even I was asking questions initially. You guys remember uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about it. There's a certain amount of secret service protection that you expect to go on. But as we've been reminded, the vice presidents, especially if they haven't become president, if they haven't been assigned a new job within the next administration, they don't continue to get secret service protection. Now, there are places for the secret service to set up uh, certain logs, but they were kind of shooed away. They didn't have any oversight. And, they don't get to demand visitor logs. They, they're supposed to be a sign-up sheet, but that's strictly at the um, at the discretion of the owner. It's a private residence. It's it's not a governmental place. So it turns out it's not that unusual for there not to be visitor logs. But wouldn't it be good if, you know, we happen to have some visitor logs, if we had some idea who else other than Hunter Biden had access, you know, to this particular house and therefore this garage. But all of this is window dressing. All this is distraction. All this is an effort to try to get us talking about the things that are other than what we really should be talking about. We should be asking the much more important legal questions of, Why did Joe Biden have his attorneys overseeing the moving of documents from the uh, Penn-Biden think tank in the first place? I mean, that is kind of an important question, right? It's, It's an expensive proposition to have an attorney overseeing you moving some documents in a place where you're not supposed to have classified documents. Why are we being told that the FBI and the Justice Department declined to oversee uh, the transport of further documents or the search for further documents? Because we found out that in the last few days, the The Justice Department said, oh, no, no, uh, we don't need to be there for that. You guys just keep going. Uh, Excuse me, we we know for a fact there have been classified documents already discovered. And we also know for a fact that these attorneys are the private Biden attorneys. They're not the governmental attorneys. Uh, These are people who, in fact, do not have uh, any level, any security clearance levels. We don't know for a fact that even if they do have a security clearance, that they have one high enough to see anything rated to the levels that these documents have been rated at. Because remember, there are different 
classifications for your clearance. And there are three different classifications for uh, classified documents. You have the confidential, you have the secret, and then you have the top secret. And you have to have a different uh, clearance level for each one of these. You have to be a little higher and a little bit higher and a little bit higher. And there's no reason for a personal attorney to have any of those. If they happen to have one, okay, great. But if you're with the Justice Department, shouldn't you have somebody with a clearance level high enough to see anything as high as top secret and have them not only overseeing the dissemination but actually being the ones looking at these documents first? You know, just to make sure that these documents aren't being mishandled at that point uh, so that we have an inventory of what documents have actually been found. So we're not having to take the word for someone who might be, well, looking to protect their client more so than looking to protect the interest of the American people. I mean, these are legitimate questions. And at the end of the day, we have a whole group of people that are still desperately just trying to cover up the fact that Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. committed a crime, of which he has no regrets, which also seems a bit criminal and way arrogant. You can say what you want to about Hunter Biden's Involvement. You can say what you want to about Joe's brother and all the criminal activities and all the the activities with the high dollar donations from the Communist Party of China uh, helping to create the Penn Biden uh, think tank. You can draw all the connections that you want. You can even go deep down some of these rabbit holes. You can even enter into tinfoil hat territory if you want. God bless you. It's America. You're allowed. But it all still circles back around, not only to the hypocrisy of being on 60 Minutes, not even that long ago, talking about Donald John Trump and how irresponsible it was for him to have documents that were marked as classified when he has the authority to declassify them. When the National Archives were aware of the documents that Donald Trump had, there had been ongoing efforts to negotiate uh, Donald Trump getting to keep them. There were no questions about what documents were even present. There were no surprise documents. The FBI, when they raided Mar-a-Lago, didn't just suddenly show up and were shocked to find out, oh, look at all that. They knew everything that was there because there had been actual transparency between Donald Trump and the National Archives. There had been an ongoing fight there. Donald Trump was very much like, this has Kim Jong-un's uh, signature on it, and I like it. I want to keep it. I need this memento. These accusations of, oh, you have violated the law. When Donald Trump gets to say what is and isn't classified just by saying so, because he was the president, not the vice president, who doesn't have that power. It wasn't hidden away in Trump's garage. Trump wasn't having 
mm, strange visitors from Asian countries uh, closely related to the Communist Chinese Party uh, just showing up randomly at Mar-a-Lago. In fact, probably the scariest guy who's ever visited Mar-a-Lago was Jeffrey Epstein. And that was not a relationship that lasted very long when Trump really got an idea of who Jeffrey was, despite the left's best efforts to tie Trump to Epstein and ignore the fact that, you know, a certain former Arkansas governor who had elevated to presidency by the name of William Jefferson Clinton happened to have had a much longer relationship and a continued relationship with Epstein even after the presidency was over. The Clinton Foundation and the Clinton uh, Haitian uh, what what was the uh, actual term of their effort, uh, the Haitian Initiative, all that was being financed through Epstein. Very strange, very strange. But hey, there's no worries, because as we know, the rules are quite clear. The rules are unmistakable. When a person with an R at the end of their name does a thing then it's criminal, it's horrible, it's very bad, no good. When a person with a D at the end of their name does a thing that is clearly the same or worse, well, then it's perfectly okay because there's a D at the end of their name and they're not capable of doing anything wrong. Lots and lots of sarcasm. (laughs) I have a D in my name. (laughs) Uh, Not in your name, Doug, at the end of your name. Oh, oh, okay. Thank you. All right, I'm getting some corrections here uh, in, in the chat room, by the way. Also from Doug, uh, who said there's more than three when it comes to the levels. We've got confidential, secret, top secret. Uh, those are the common ones. Uh, <laughs> had a cosmic top secret at one time. Uh, two over top secret since I handled nuclear codes. Okay, well, very cool. Um. Okay, I would not suspect anyone at the Joe Biden level, and certainly any of his subordinates or his representatives, and that would include personal attorneys, would have that level of classification either. I don't think they should be seeing anything that's just marked secret. Maybe confidential, but anything at the secret level or higher is probably not something that they can legally be looking at. Anyway, so with that being said, those classifications are out there as well. So I stand corrected. But those are the three primary that you typically get to see when it comes to anybody who's an elected office holder. Uh, Doug's also saying that he had to sign an NDA to stay quiet. And, uh, yeah, that's also a common thing because you only get these clearances after you pass background checks where you can be deemed as being reasonably reliable to keep the secrets that are going to be presented in front of you. And there will be legal ramifications if you violate these uh, codes of secrecy. Now, when you mishandle these type of documents, regardless of what they are, you have committed a criminal offense in the United States. Now, how serious of an offense it is kind of depends on what these classified documents are. 
And, you know, we talked about it during the whole Trump uh, Mar-a-Lago raid fiasco about how some things are classified and so they'll be marked classified. But as soon as an event occurs, they're no longer classified. They become public knowledge. Things like a uh, a route that a presidential uh, uh, trip is going to be taking. If you're uh, taking, uh, if you're visiting a city, like right now, uh, going to visit California to, to kind of see the disasters that have been left from these terrible storms that have happened. Snowden skipped town because he didn't want to be prosecuted. Now, now we got Eric Snowden who's out, uh, still hiding out in another country because he mishandled classified documents. But, you know, we talk about these motorcades and the the path of the motorcade is classified, is marked as classified, all the official documents that lays out what this path is going to be. But as soon as the president or whoever is in this motorcade makes this trip and they have uh, done this, well, then there's no longer classification because it becomes public knowledge. So a lot of classified documents may not be classified anymore but would still contain the markings of having been classified because they were at one point. That's not the kind of thing we're talking about here with the the Biden mishandling of these documents though is it we're not talking about motorcades we're not talking about travel plans we're talking about things that involve the piggy bank and the money laundering operation that the ukraine represents ukraine became a piggy bank for a lot of these folks and joe biden wanted a big old chunk of the transfer of u.s taxpayer dollars back into the biden private accounts 10% 10% for the big guy, no matter where Hunter was going. The real thing here is we need to find out exactly how much of this was actually not just thanks to Joe Biden's name, but how much of this was Joe Biden's uh, actual maneuvering. How much of this is actually his criminal enterprise as opposed to just being a partner. <laughs> anyway, we're at that point, ladies and gentlemen. Our number one is... Uh, very nearly come to an end. So I'm going to turn things over to my good friend Doug in the control room all the way out there in Louisiana. And we're going to transition from here to hour number two. Stay right where you're at as we're going to kick off hour number two right out the gate with our guest. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back. You're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope the rest of you are waking up and keep in mind there is a big difference between being awake and being woke. And uh, jumping right out the gate here at hour number two, 
I am joined once again by the founder and CEO of Tusk. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, Mr. Jeff Berman. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for uh, jumping in, especially considering the last-minute nature of me reaching out. I was looking at having you come back at some point next week, and then I had a scheduled guest, and they kind of dropped out on me at the last minute. And uh, turns out you were available. I took a shot, and I was really glad we could make it happen. Welcome back to the show, and thanks for being here, sir. I had to uh, get a few uh, uh, drivers in front of me to, to beat the traffic to be here, but I'm happy to be back on your show. All right. Well, I'm glad you were able to make it. <laughs> that is uh, for sure. Get, get those drivers out of the way. Uh, that's crazy stuff. you got yep, places yep. to be. All right. Uh, obviously, uh, you've been very, very busy still trying to promote Tusk. Uh, I've been seeing some of your spots over at uh, uh, Fox.com and, and some of the other the places you've been. And, and you do great interviews wherever you go. And last time we got together, we spent a lot of time talking about Tusk and, and about your background and, and some of the other things you've done, uh, some of the differences between web browsers and search engines. And we spent a lot of time digging into that. And uh, we also got to talk about how you were uh, give, bringing forth an opportunity for folks to invest in Tusk. And that investment opportunity now over at WeFund is live. And we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, before we end uh, our, our conversation, because I definitely want to make sure that anybody who wants to invest and helps us to support the parallel economy gets a chance to do that. We'll get that information there. But before we do, a big chunk of what we wanted to talk about now is why it's important to support things like Tusk. And that has a lot to do with big corporate entities, big tech, and most recently, what a lot of folks found surprising, uh, not surprising to me, I don't think it was surprising to you, but we got the data privacy scores uh, from uh, Neutronian. They do that every year. And DuckDuckGo, who has been promoting themselves as the privacy uh, uh, the privacy database, uh, if you want to use a search engine and have your data secure and not just being used by everybody, you can use them. They rated near the bottom, in the bottom 10. Uh, so uh, first, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Like I said, I don't think it surprised you any at all. But uh, what did you think when you first saw this new rating? I didn't, you know, I'd uh, be honest, I hadn't seen the new rating, but I do know that what what I think conservatives are confused, and, and I'm just trying to help straighten that out, is that <clears throat> privacy and conservatism don't necessarily aren't the same. Uh, if you're using DuckDuckGo, for instance, um, or other search engines, they're all based off of Bing or, or um, Yahoo. There's only three major search engines, and these are all sort of, offshoots of those and they gather the same information and then they present them to you so you think you're on a private private network like DuckDuckGo, which as you said may not be as private as you think it is um they're not serving you conservative news and or conservative search and they're still ranking your conservative search at the bottom and you're on you're going to page five or six or seven and that's what I'm trying to focus in. Uh, we will focus in on the privacy as well, because after all, I started the first web browser that was the most private web browser ever to be built. It wasn't successful, but we know how to build you know, privacy. 
the the problem is is a lot of the people are confused, and that's the reason why we're focusing on on uh, free speech because we think that that's the most important thing. Although I will add, privacy is certainly right up there. Right. Well, you know, it, it is good that we have somebody that's willing to focus on that and is also willing to allow conservatives to have at least equal billing with the other uh, news outlets and the other stories. Because you're right, if you do a Google search right now, you may have to go 15 pages deep before you start seeing some of these conservative things, unless you specifically word your search in a certain fashion. And even then, you're still not going to get what you're looking for in the first few. What you're going to do is get a leftist take on why you shouldn't pay attention to the conservative side. So a more balanced focus point, I think, is really what most conservatives are asking for. Uh, And certainly we're not the side of the argument that says, oh, crush the competition, don't let people hear. Uh, Most conservatives believe very much in the idea of free speech and that the solution to bad speech is more speech, more option. And it really is great that there are folks trying to bring forth that parallel economy and give those additional options. Uh, It it is an idea that is finally starting to take hold, I think, among conservatives. But it doesn't just work for conservatives. It also works for a lot of these folks who traditionally have been slightly left of center that are starting to wake up to how dangerous – cancel culture is and how dangerous woke mindset is and i really like the fact that some of these folks that are slightly left of center are really starting to get on the same bandwagon that we need to be fair and more balanced and and folks like yourself are really starting to build that infrastructure and we need that kind of thing you've been very supportive of elon musk trying to clean out the nest over at twitter and uh you uh, see that as also a positive. But what what would you say is your biggest surprise at this point as you move forward uh, with Tusk? Have you seen very much of this movement, like I'm talking about, uh, folks that are slightly left of center that are actually getting behind the movement too? I haven't seen a lot of that, but then I live in California, so everybody <laughs> around me is pretty much to the left. There's a few of us that are center or right. But I can I can tell you just sort of sort of overall I think I think even people that are slightly to the left when you start talking about thirty one and a half trillion dollars and they want to spend more money you start thinking about well that doesn't make any sense we don't have thirty one trillion dollars to pay back and and these are things common sense things and I think a lot of of, of conservatives are pragmatic and and they look at life not through some lens, but through the reality of what it really is. And I think I think that's partly what's going on. Inflation is certainly is helping the big lies that come out of the White House and, and I'll say the last Congress, which was very to the left. I think that's got a lot of people rethinking, uh, at, at least to a certain extent, and willing to take a look. And what we've tried to do at, at Tusk is we really believe in free speech. So you don't just get the right. Now, if you want just the right sort of echo chamber, easy enough to do, you, you hit our 
button that says show me search that's to the right and you'll get mostly right leaning uh, uh, thought process. If you're in the center, well, we try and give you pretty close to 50-50. And if you're over to the left, we'll certainly give you the left. And a lot of my friends who are, uh, I would say, are to the right, they want to go see what the left is thinking. And they may say hogwash or, you know, but at least they understand. I'm not sure the left will do that, but hopefully, you know, hopefully we can start to start to change things. And one of the things that I think is most important is the schools. And I'm just watching the kids coming in out of the schools. They're very closed-minded. They're not open-minded. My One of my big tasks for Tusk is to start to get this into schools where you can see both sides of the arguments in a search versus just one side and, and not the other. And I think it brings for bad citizenship when people get stuck in their box and they can't understand what somebody else is saying. And so I'm hoping we can get back to some sort of of fairness on the web, which is not going to happen unless companies like myself succeed. I don't see the left saying, gee whiz, we kind of understand. Let us show you the middle of the road. I don't think they'll ever do that. So companies like myself have to stand up and say, I spent, you know, over seven figures just building the first browser. And now we're off to building search. And yes, we need some help from the community. I'm hoping the community, the conservative community gets behind me. But this is what it's all about, is to make sure our voices are heard. Yeah, yeah I, it really is that basic. It's that fundamental. Uh, it's a bounding principle that this nation was uh, was designed not just to uh, to cherish, but also to protect. And that is something that we just don't see very much of. We have a lot of folks that typically lean to the left that, they don't like a lot of competition in the arena of thoughts and ideas because they have a hard time defending their positions or establishing how their side of the argument might be better if the fullness of the story is looked at. Uh, most conservatives, myself included, like to think that 90% of the time in the marketplace of ideas, conservative values win uh, because typically – we have the, 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 the information and the facts that back us up. We have the historical success over time and that can be held true with almost all leftist policies. So they have a really hard time with being okay with somebody questioning them because they're not prepared to defend their positions. So I think you're right for the most part. Even the people on the left who maybe have a good argument, maybe have one of those uh, – rare occasions where they have a better policy point they don't like being challenged they're not prepared to defend it just because they don't typically do well they don't get that practice and they do spend so much time in that echo chamber and that again is where tusk comes in good you made the point earlier uh there's a lot of conservatives that want to see what the left's up to because for somebody like me uh, if I'm in that mood where I want to make fun of a leftist, I got to know what they're talking about first. Uh, yeah, if I'm in the sure. mood where I want to expose where they're uh, being uh, hypocritical about something, I have to know exactly what it is they're saying so I can draw those parallels. So it's good to be able yeah, to get that 50 yeah. 50, but most yeah, Americans they, yeah. really do want a 50 50 balance and so they can decide for themselves. Yeah, no doubt. And, and let me comment one more thing. The left push 
you know, I'm I'm old enough to know about the, the Soviet Union, Russia, uh, obviously communist China, which has in a way economically been pretty successful. But as a country and freedom of speech, it's horrible. And, you know, you can be taken away almost at any time for just saying the wrong thing. So this where this is all coming from is kind of this leftist mantra. And their answer is never, well, let's let's kind of debate this and discuss it. There is no debate and discussion. And that comes out of the communist world where there was no bait and no debate and no discussion. And it's whatever the Politburo says is the right thing, the movement, that's it. And there is nothing else. And and most of us Americans that have grown up with with freedom realize that's not how ideas win. And and it's and those countries on the most part, are not successful. But whether China is successful economically, you know, who knows about that? But I can tell you from uh, our chief marketing officer lived in China for 12 years. He said, I couldn't tell you a more terrible country where you can't even own real estate. The real estate is owned by the government. And, and these are ideas that are foreign to us. And I think we need to keep them foreign and we need to keep them sort of from becoming, you know, China buying all of our land or something of that nature. These are dangerous things, and and that's why I want to see these in school, where where kids can can think for themselves. Because if they're just told what to think, they'll come out of the school. You see them coming out of college thinking that way, and not open up to other ideas. Yeah, uh, especially when you see the power of cancel culture. And this uh, peer pressure that's put on some of these kids to get in line with whatever the current happening thing is at that moment. It's like if you step out of line, it's ridiculous. You see something as simple as J.K. Rawlings, uh, an avid leftist, uh, all about all of the leftist ideology except for one point. She is on board with the idea that if you support the notion that a man can magically become a woman just because they say so, then you can't be a feminist. Well, then all of a sudden you must be excommunicated. It only takes disagreeing one time. And when you see somebody in a position like that, it makes it really hard for these young kids, like you pointed out, to decide to think for themselves because that's a dangerous place to be, especially when you're so uh, susceptible to peer pressure. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think, you know, my friends don't like me to to talk about TikTok, which I think needs to be corralled if it's not bought by an American company so that all the data stays in America. I know nobody wants because I am a, a free speech person, but I also worry about our children and what's going on in the world and what are they being taught and what's going on underneath that TikTok. It's a communist country that really wants to change us. And if they're going to change us from, they're going to try and change us from the external. If they can't do that, then why not go to the internal part? And I think we need to, we we need to train or train our children to be able to see these types of things coming at them, and it's not just all fun and games. And you know, in China, uh, TikTok is not anything like America. It's yeah. all educational. You get only a couple hours a day that you get to watch your your favorite things. It's very strict. Yeah, yeah. TikTok as it exists here is banned there. It, it is not the same thing at all. Exactly. That is a great yeah, point. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if so, if we do yeah. if we do not uh, engage in teaching children how to uh, to practice critical thinking, 
then we've done the uh, worst disservice uh, possible to the next generation. Uh, obviously, want to know uh, what's going on at Tusk too, uh, Jeff. Uh, what what are the numbers looking like? How much is it growing? What I know it's got to be a positive thing. How are things going there? So it's becoming very positive. We're we're over seventy thousand, which seems like a small number to start. But we just started with the browser. We've now built a prototype search engine, which is getting better and better every day. I had a meeting this. We have a couple of days a week. We have meetings, and it's getting better. You'll see more changes. But this is where you can get left, right, center, uh, and and the search. This is just a prototype because we really need to raise the money to build our own search engine without any underlying other companies being Yahoo, Google involved. And I do that mostly out of safety for the company, uh, in being that you've seen some of the companies go down when Amazon says, I don't like what you're doing. We don't want to take those types of risks. So we want to build our own search engine, but the prototype looks really great, and it's getting to something that I'm really proud of. And it's just the beginning. I hope that people come on board. Uh, I've wanted to start this as a crowdfunder because I'm not a billionaire. Yes, I've done pretty well, and I put a lot of money into this. But I really want this to be a conservative community sort of activism where we take on these big tech companies and we do our own thing instead of letting us, letting them boss us around. And uh, how is the uh, the fundraiser going, uh, the uh, investment level, uh, getting a, a lot of uh, takers to this point? Yes. Well, yesterday it was a uh, we had an article uh, in Breitbart and it just mentioned us. And we had, I think, over 60 or 70 and probably close to 70 or 75 investors just yesterday. And it was a total of thirty five or forty thousand dollars just in one day. And we think we're going in the right direction. We ask for a small amount of money. You can put a little in, which is the, the minimum the, that allowed in the United States for crowdfunding, $100. And we may have some other ways that you can support us in the future, but a minimum of $100 and any amount over that. I actually have a call with a couple of gentlemen next week that want to put in an excess of 10000 And so, yeah, it's going great. And I'm very excited because... This is a community effort, and you'll have your name, you know, involved with us, and you'll have you'll have started something that I hope will be carried on for, you know, many many years to come. All right, yeah, this is definitely something that I would recommend if if you're out there, if you're conservative, and you have the opportunity now, understanding that, of course. In the Biden economy, maybe some of you that are listening aren't in the position to to help support this movement. But to become an investor, to become somebody who's helping to create not only the parallel economy, but to allow truth and free speech to exist as part of the, the continued American experience that can't be stopped by the left, that is certainly worth it, even if it... Uh, even if it's something that maybe you have to work around to make happen, it's worthy. It is yeah. something that I highly recommend that if you care about free speech and the future of the America that we're passing on, that you at least put some serious thought into uh, anybody who's interested in investing. Uh, how do they go about doing that? So they go over to a, a site called WeFunder. Right? There may be a, a shorter cut, but I can't think of it offhand. WeFunder, that's W-E-F-U-N-D-E-R.com, 
and then type in Tusk in the search, and our search page will come up. And I do really, I, I totally agree with you. If, if you can't afford $100, please don't. don't. We cherish you. You just come on and you become, it's free. The browser's free. The search engine's free. Uh, come on and, and, and participate that way. But if you have $100 or more, this is an investment. And I've made it so it's an investment because I, retur- I plan on not only returning people's money, but to give them a profit. That's why I do it crowdfunding. And I've always felt my issue has been that it's always been the big hitters that get in on a deal. Usually they're venture capital guys. And the little guy never gets to get a, a see a piece of the action. And when I rolled this out, I decided I want to change that dynamic. I really want the little guy, and I'm thinking two, three, four thousand people or more, who might put in just a hundred dollars or five hundred dollars and get an opportunity. Maybe that turns into, you know, $5,000. So, and I believe me, I've always really worked hard for my investors. I ran a real estate company for 35 years. You can't say you never had a loss because you'd be a liar if you did that. But I can tell you, if you ask most of my investors, they'll tell you they've really done well with us. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talked pretty in depth at your uh, previous careers in the past broadcast. So for any of you guys that are listening, if you don't remember that, Go back into the show archives wherever you get your podcast because uh, uh, we, we talked about uh, all of that backup. Uh, again, go over to wefunder.com, uh, look up Tusk, look at the pitch page, and hey, this is your chance to invest like a shark because uh, I really think that this is something that the conservative awakening is going to help push over the top. And uh, I really like what Jeff is offering, but go see the pitch for yourself. I can't recommend it enough. Jeff, again, thank you so much for joining us again tonight. I appreciate everything you're doing and all the hard work you're doing to try and help keep free speech existing, uh, both for the United States and, of course, uh, given that Tusk is on the Internet um, uh, worldwide. Uh, Lots of other places could use a little more free speech. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Have a great weekend. You do the same. Ladies and gentlemen, that is, of course, Jeff Berman. And uh, we will put a link in the show description if you're listening to the podcast after the fact uh, that also will take you to that uh, page just so you can go check it out for yourself. Uh, And again, this is a fantastic opportunity uh, for anybody that believes in free speech and uh, is thinking that this is a kind of investment you get into. If you're somebody that invested in Rumble early on, uh, it's a great thing. Uh, and now uh, Rumble is uh, publicly traded over at the exchange. You had a chance to make some big money there. And I think you still got a chance to make some money because the current Rumble stock price uh, not super high. You can get in on over here, but this is ground level, floor level, before the venture capitalists can get in. So it's it's a one the thing I don't want to sit here and give you investment advice, but I do want to give you the advice that if you believe that freedom and liberty is important, this is the kind of thing that you need to get behind. So go visit and check it out and see for yourself. Don't put a penny down anywhere you don't feel comfortable. Don't put a penny down anywhere that you can't afford to lose. And don't put a penny down anywhere that you don't think is going to take that next level of success. But what I can tell you from what I know of Jeff, uh, it's not just fluff talk from him. 
he has worked hard for his investors, and he has done a very good job in general of bringing back good value and good return on investment. So my thing here is this is about free speech and about uh, sticking it to big tech. It's about that parallel economy that a lot of us have been pushing for that seems to be gaining ground. And I just think it's a really good place to uh, to consider investing. And this is coming from a guy who doesn't do a whole lot over at WeFunder. I've, I've been watching stuff over there. I've looked at uh, Tusk as an opportunity. I, I actually still kind of prefer Start Engine uh, for a few reasons, mostly because I, I love to dislike Mr. Wonderful. And, uh, of course, he, uh, Kevin O'Leary runs things over there. Uh, well, he's one of the primary uh, folks running it. Uh, and so the fact that this isn't over there, it kind of it hurts my heart a little bit. But uh, it's a better fit for what Jeff is doing. So, again, if you're somebody that believes in the power of crowdfunding, this is a good place to go do that. And like you said, it is an investment. You're buying equity into this company. And I do think Tess will be successful. I, I really do. Uh, and I'm putting my money uh, where my mouth is on that. So, uh, you know, come check it out, too. That's all I'm saying. All right. We are quickly approaching the half hour uh, mark here, and we like to take a break about halfway through each hour and run some ads and, you know, promote some of those companies that I am also uh, an equity stakeholder in. And that's what we're going to do now uh, in uh, constitutional grounds. That's all Ron Edwards. Uh, and again, I've really got to get back together with Ron. But uh, uh, outside of that, the ads I'm running right now, either affiliate or companies that I've invested in. And I tell you that in the interest of pure and total transparency, a thing that the Biden administration knows nothing about, despite their claims to the contrary. Uh, Doug, take us into that break and I'll be right back. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name is Joe Biden. My name's Joe Biden. <laughs> My name's Joe Biden. One of the major reasons Patrick Henry bravely helped fight for the independence of the United States was taxation without representation. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook... Today, we the people of the United States are amongst the most highly taxed on earth. But that is not enough for the greedy political hucksters in Washington, D.C. and some states like California. Today, the federal government rarely, if at all, governs on behalf of our interests. Multiple billions of our hard-earned tax dollars are taken from us to be spent on the support of millions and millions of illegal border crossers who are now living high off the hog because the government, without our permission, has welcomed in over 30 million illegal border crossers. The government elected officials were elected to represent we the people, but are now representing foreigners, including criminals and terrorists, instead of us Americans. That, my fellow sovereign souls, is taxation without representation. I say it's high time for a new revelation. What say you? I'm 
Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. In just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top Six in the World in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. seen a Kansas sunset or an Arizona rain? Have you drifted on a bayou down Louisiana way? Have you watched the cold fog drifting over San Francisco Bay? Have you heard a Bob White calling in the Carolina Pines or heard the bellow of a diesel at the Appalachia Mines? Does the call of the Niagara thrill you when you hear her waters roar? Look with awe and wonder at Massachusetts shore where men who braved a hard new world first stepped on Plymouth Rock. Do you think of them when you stroll along a New York City dock? Have you seen a snowflake drifting in the Rockies way up high? Have you seen the sun come blazing down from a bright Nevada sky? Do you hail to the Columbia as you rushes in the sea or how you're headed Gettysburg? Our struggle to be free. Have you seen the mighty Tetons? You watched an eagle soar. Have you seen the Mississippi roll along Missouri's shore? Have you felt a chill at Michigan when on a winter's day her waters rage along the shore in thunderous display? Does the word aloha make you warm? Do you stare in disbelief when you see the surf come roaring in it? Why am I a reef? From Alaska's cold to the Everglades, from the Rio Grande to Maine, my heart cries out, my pulse runs fast, the might of her domain. You ask me why I love her? I have a million reasons why. My beautiful America, beneath God's 
wide, wide sky. Listening to Tap into the Truth. This is Amy. This is Az. Me too. Sharing the night together. Yeah. Sharing the night together. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are heading down the home stretch for tonight's Friday night live show. And I want to thank each and every one of you for being here. No matter where you're listening, even if you're listening to the podcast afterwards and you didn't join us live, uh, well, thank you for making the time to listen at all, especially if you're this far into the show. It's a big deal. I don't take it for granted. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Before we jump back into uh, the next topic, though, do want to throw out one more effort to try and sell you something. There'll be a link in the show description for the podcast. Uh, Brain MD, uh, Brain MD, uh, operated by Dr. Daniel Amen, uh, MD, uh, sells supplements. Uh, sells books. It's all about the best way to keep your brain healthy. I'm going to put a link in the show description to the Brain Health Quiz. Uh, it, it's a quiz that you go there, you can take it. It's absolutely free. It helps to decide what type of brain you have and and where you're at for your brain health. And it'll help determine what kind of supplements you need. And uh, yeah, Doug's giving me the sign right now that it's probably too late for supplements to help. And I'm, I feel you, Doug. I'm right there with you as far as that's concerned. But uh if you're somebody that's concerned about it and you're looking for some type of supplements, the, the Brain MD might be a really good solution to what you're looking for. Doesn't hurt to take the free quiz and to take a look at what they've got. And uh, hey, it's also a great opportunity if you decide to make a purchase over there to help support the show too. Because again, affiliate relationship. So if you use my link, it lets them know I sent you and I get a very tiny little uh, recompense and hey we're all struggling here in the Biden economy but uh, if you're going to make a purchase for something you're going to get anyway uh, might as well help support the show while you're at it right yeah yeah I, at least that's how I feel about it uh, of course you know I might be a little biased on that issue anyway let's get back to uh, the show itself uh, we are like I said in the home stretch Friday night is quickly coming to an end as far as we're concerned going into a what I hope for you is a great weekend. Uh, can't go into too many details for uh, specific reasons, but just so you know, I am recently a grandfather again. Uh, I got a brand new grandson this past week and I'm going to be spending some time there this weekend, but still going to have to make time for the Sunday show. <laughs> so got to get back to that. And uh, just, wanted to tell you that I'm really excited and I have a great weekend coming up. I firmly believe that. And I hope that you guys do too. Uh, whatever it is you're doing, whatever you've got going on, 
find a way to find some joy in your life. And if it's if it's difficult with everything else going on, just know that you're not alone. Okay, uh, you have folks that are prepared to stand beside you that uh, know what you're going through as well. We are all in this together, boys and girls. We are. All right. Now, speaking of being in it together, let's slide back into the world of politics. See, um, the Biden administration, they've got a guy at the top who probably is going to get dumped by the Democratic Party, especially if these classified documents uh, fiasco continues to get worse. But uh, they're still, at least at this moment, planning on uh, running for re-election. Uh, part of that, you can tell, uh, Biden wants to get some kind of an advantage, which is why they're trying to move the uh, South Carolina primary to the front of the line, because it was the South Carolina primary that really salvaged the Biden uh, presidential run the last go round, and may very well be the only reason he managed to get the Democratic nomination. Now, I don't know who they would have picked otherwise. The bench isn't that deep. They don't have very many good candidates, and most of their best options are already part of this administration and have revealed themselves to be even more inept than we thought they were to begin with. And most of the American people are onto that, but they still would rather have Joe Biden than Donald Trump for some reason. Now, I guess things were just too good under Trump. Now, too many things were happening. Uh, Doug is trying to go through the Medicare and You 2023 <laughs> handbook there. Um, yeah, it's uh, fantastic stuff. Uh, everybody's having a hard time under the uh, the Biden regime. They're not planning on going anywhere. They're planning on making things worse. But you see, Donald Trump now is kind of an afterthought, not really, but an afterthought to them because they know they have a serious competitor in the governor of Florida, a certain Mr. Ron DeSantis. Anyway, uh, the Biden administration uh, this past Friday, that of course is today if you're listening live, uh, not so much, and you'll notice some changes. <laughs> I'm still getting to see everything that Doug is doing, and uh, Doug's deciding that uh, he's trying to make sure that his Medicare stuff is in line. Uh, there's a lot of changes to go through. That's, that's a lot thicker, I noticed, than most years. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's just been anyway uh they've decided that they're going to target ron desantis because they don't like the the very real possibility of ron desantis getting the republican nomination and according to most of the polls that still see joe biden beating donald trump they still see ron desantis beating biden so they must attack him uh Sorry, I'm still uh, peeking in on uh, Doug, and he's, uh, I guess here, we're, we're going to be reading the annual changes together here uh, momentarily. There's a lot of stuff there. Voluntary withholding, all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah, hey, I'm being taxed at 85% on Social Security. <laughs> wow. That's why well, I had I... to do a W4W. Wow. Or, or W, a W4V. I'm That's keeping insane. it from my records. That's it. And Social Security, by the way, guys, money 
that he's already earned, money that's already been taxed, money that is his by right, and he's being taxed 85% on getting it back? Like Ron said in the notebook earlier, taxation without representation. Yeah. Uh, forget that. It's already been taxed. That's money that's <laughs> insane. Anyway, I mean, I guess technically they claim that that's pre-taxed income, but it's just your freaking money. They don't really have a right to it, period. But hey, you know, again, uh, let's go Brandon, right? Let's go Brandon. They were, I loved how they were bragging. I blame Biden. <laughs> they they were bragging before about the uh, the biggest increase in Social Security uh, starting this year. Uh, it, conveniently leaving out the biggest reason for that is because they have the largest increase in inflation ever. But, uh, you know, little things like that, you put it in context, it's suddenly nothing to brag about. But, yeah, it's it's not that important. The important part is that Joe Biden's making sure you're getting more, even though it won't go half as far as it would have before. Anyway, this uh, circles me back to this attack on Ron. Uh, Doug's got one more thing to add. Go ahead, Doug. They increase the Social Security so they can increase the taxes you take out of the Social Security so they get more money. You see? Catch-22 yeah. there. Yeah. Get an increase, and then they tax more of it. Yeah. yeah and, of course, they're still whining, too, about uh, the Republicans over in the Senate. Uh, not in the Senate, but over in the House defunding uh, all the IRS agents that they were planning on adding. And then, I love this, the debt ceiling argument. Absolutely loved the argument here because they're like, well, if the Republicans were serious about fiscal responsibility, they wouldn't have defunded the IRS agents because of how much revenue we're not going to be able to get now because these IRS agents aren't going to be there to do it. Excuse me. Excuse me. My hand is up. I have a question. Uh, I thought these agents, according to these same leftist people making this argument, I thought these agents were uh, customer support, that they were not uh, enforcement agents. Um, how would they be getting more U.S. taxpayer dollars sucked out of all of our uh, wallets and bank accounts if their customer support, they would have to be enforcement agents to account for more income, right? Right. I mean, it, th that is the way that works, right? Just, just asking for a friend. <laughs> anyway, they, they try to have it both ways, and then they look at you cross-eyed uh, when you tell them they can't have it both ways. What was the subject that you started out on before I diverted uh, you? Yeah, uh, we were going to talk about the White House attack on uh, Ron DeSantis. And I've still got a few minutes. I'll still sneak it in. But, yeah, that's, that's absolutely real-world uh, consequences. Uh, <laughs> uh, Joe Biden has no regrets about how he handled uh, uh, classified documents. But a lot of Americans who voted for him have a lot of regrets, uh, <laughs> or at least they should. Anyway, the White House did attack the Florida governor uh, because of uh, DeSantis's move to block a uh, African-American studies course from being taught in the state's public high schools. Even as leaks revealed that the course's syllabus leans not into uh, African-American studies, but leans heavily into... Da -da -da -da! Wokeism. 
which is a thing that none of us should be supporting. We want our kids to wake up, not be woke. The College Board, which is developing the curriculum, was told by the Florida Department of Education last week, and this is another one of those stories I would have talked about if we were doing the regular scheduled stuff. I certainly commented about it on social media. They were told last week that it would not allow the new course in its schools. Florida said, no, this is not something we're going to have because it's not historically accurate. It is woke nonsense. And that's the right thing for any state to do. Every state should be doing it. If you have a state department of education that is okay with this, then they're more interested about indoctrinating your kids than educating your kids. And that's a state department of education that needs to be changed. Guess who's responsible for that? Now, the government's going to say, that's them. They work for them. That That's you, okay? That's us. We have to make those changes. We have to make it clear that if they're not going to represent us and not going to represent our values, we're not going to reelect them. That's the one and only thing that will get their attention because they can't build these huge, massive slush funds and these massive war chests for re-election if they don't get to hold office very long. You just have to not just make the threat, but make it a viable threat. Make sure that enough of us are pulled together that they understand we're not going to put up with this anyway. Last week, they said not going to allow the new course. So, yay, way to go, DeSantis. Way to go, state of Florida. Uh, more good news from a state that was once purple that's now very, very deep red. But you see, that decision, of course, it prompted some criticism from all the usual suspects. Many, of course, uh, including the White House. They suggest that Florida was blocking the teaching of black history, which, again, you might as well just go back to the don't say gay bill. We're going to say a thing that's not at all remotely similar to what the reality is. You know, the same way we name the bills that we pass into law. We're going to call it the exact opposite of what it does. This is not... <laughs> Doug says, do not check the do you want to contribute that <laughs> box. <laughs> Absolutely do not check it. Do not contribute a single penny. They're probably getting that money anyway, though, don't you think, Doug? Uh, they don't put it there to, to make you feel good about it. They put it there to make you think you got a choice. Anyway, again, back to the story. Ford is not blocking the teaching of black history. They're making an effort to make sure that it's actual history that's being taught. Anyway, the worst press secretary in the history of press secretaries, the worst of all time, not just in American history, but in world history, Corinne. Jean-Pierre, she had some words, uh, speaking, of course, for the Biden administration, but I think a little bit for herself. She said, quote, if you think about the study of black Americans, that is what he wants to block. What? What? That's what he wants to block? Uh, no, Corinne. No, 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 Miss Jean-Pierre. That's not what is happening here. Later adding that Florida didn't block the more traditional AP European history or art history, 
but the state, back to quoting now, but the state chooses to block a course that is meant for high-achieving high school students to learn about their history of arts and culture. It is incomprehensible. See, when she says it's incomprehensible, I revert back to the Princess Bride. You keep using this word. I do not think it means what you think it means. It's very comprehensible. It's easy to understand if you have an IQ half as high as what Joe Biden claims his was. It's easy to comprehend if you have half a monicum of common sense. Yes, I know. Such a rare condition. Common sense is almost an oxymoron now because it's not that common, but it is so rare it's practically become a superpower. Yes, I know that. But if you have just a half a monicum of common sense, it's very comprehensible. It's not about blocking black history. It's about insisting on teaching actual history. The, the 1619 Project is being heavily promoted. They're doing a freaking special on Hulu. Hey, they're still acting over at the New York Times like it's something legitimate. Hey, we won a Pulitzer Prize for it. It's super awesome. But it's not history. Even leftist history professors have stepped up and said uh, there's concerning inaccuracies in it. And that's actually pretty serious, scathing, considering the source and the target. Oh, but this, according to Corinne Jean-Pierre, worst press secretary in the history of ever, it's incomprehensible. Now, the College Board's AP African American Studies course currently in its pilot phase, meaning that they're not even done crafting it yet. And the company's not publicly released the curriculum. However, a copy of the curriculum that was leaked to the Florida Standard shows it has a lot of wokeness. A lot. One of the sources in African-American studies that will, quote, likely be examined, according to the curriculum that was woke, is Kimberly Crenshaw's Mapping the Margins, Intersectionality, Identity Politics, and Violence Against Women of Color. Now, violence against women, regardless of what their color may be, generally a bad thing. Most conservatives would agree with that statement. It's not a woke thing. But the fact that you have to make it about violence against women of color, as in well, if you happen to be white, then we don't care about it. See, that seems that seems less impactful. Seems like racism, actually. Anyway, the reading is a foundational text in the intersectionality uh, coalition. That's a term that woke academics use to focus on the different ways that minorities can be oppressed. You know. Uh, and we know, by definition, all minorities are oppressed by all those mean, old, nasty, white, conservative, cisgendered, heteronormative oppressors. That would be like me and Doug. We're, we're very oppressive people. 
I don't know how many people Duggar is oppressing right now. I'm sure he's lost count. I have no idea how many I'm currently oppressing by virtue of just being a straight white man in America. But I'm sure the number's countless, countless. It must be. There's so many I'm oppressing, uh, oppressing at the moment, I can't even make a count. Yeah, that's the idea. This is where that notion comes from, okay? So the curriculum also recommends using as a source the case for reparations. The case for reparations. And it includes a section on black queer studies. Okay. Quoting now from the black queer studies topic section it says, this topic explores the concept of the queer of color critique, grounded in black feminism and intersectionality, as a black studies lens that shifts sexuality studies towards racial analysis. Now, why you got to go and learn any of that in high school? I mean, that's not really something that legitimately should be being taught anywhere because it's mostly a bunch of made-up stuff. It really is. Some people, uh, it's the only way they have to feel important. <laughs> San Francisco. <laughs> And that's what even Kamala Harris thinks about it. So imagine how a conservative would think about it. Uh, the study of African-American history is not only permitted under Governor Ron DeSantis, but is required by law, just as an FYI. It's required. African-American history is required by law to be taught. So it's not a case, no matter what the White House, no matter what Corinne Jean-Pierre might have to say. No matter what any leftist, whatever Democratic office holder at the national level might try to convince you, no matter how horrible Ron the Killer DeSantis, because, you know, they thought that he was going to kill all the old people uh, because they actually opened the state up during COVID. Uh, don't let them lie to you about what he's actually doing, because that, that's what this is. It's a blatant obvious, full-blown lie on par with the don't say gay bill, which also was a lie. It was a don't say anything sexual to third graders law. <laughs> you can say gay. You can be gay. You cannot try to push the LGBTQ plus mafia agenda on little kids. That's what the law says. Puts parental rights ahead of the leftist agenda. So that's why they had such a negative reaction. But I still run into people who legitimately thought, because unfortunately they don't listen to this show or any other show that promotes actual information or common sense, that actually believe that there was an effort in the state of Florida to keep people from saying the word gay in school. And you know, forgive my insensitivity, but that's just gay. <laughs> anyway, the African-American studies course itself consists of four units. The origins of the 
African dysphoria, freedom, enslavement, and resistance, the practice of freedom, and movements, and debate. The wokest part appears to be the final unit, which teaches all about a, a multitude of topics, including the black power movement, of course, through the lens of the Black Panther Party, intersectionality, and its connection to Asian American feminism, and the intersectionality of analysis of race, power, and black women's experiences. Now, I'm sorry. The College Board's own website lists the potential career paths by major. And the only career path listed for those who major in African American studies is community organizing and activism. I think there's a pretty good reason why any state education department should say, maybe this doesn't have merit or value. Oh, but wait. The notion, the idea of evaluating anything on merit, well, we know that that's white supremacism, isn't it? I better just leave it right there. <laughs> That'll be it for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, thank you so much for being here, especially those of you who are here live. Uh, again, shout out to Arizona Antihero. And anybody else who wants to come hang out with us, please, in the future, Fridays, we're here live. Come join us. Come hang out. In the meanwhile, have a great weekend. And, Doug, take it away. using both hands Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep Stalin, Hitler, Maloney, and Pol Pot They told us things that you never forgot Is using both hands
is using both hands. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.